his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Whispering, 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 whispering Streets. And here is Betty Davis. Hello. To be the confidant of a whole great office, to hear stories from the whispering streets other folks travel, who live vicariously. That was Irene McKenzie. Forty years old with a size 12 figure and hair that was beginning to turn softly gray, that also was Irene. Pretty in a prim, repressed sort of way, always waiting for the phone to ring for some executive to say, Irene, will you buy a birthday present for my daughter during lunch hour or a couple of nightgowns for my wife or will you order flowers for my best girl you're always so clever about flowers. She sighed this special morning as she clicked off the intercom phone, and her secretary glanced in her direction. Something wrong, Mr. Kendrick? <laughs> Not exactly. They call me office manager here in the office, Myra, but I'm really errand girl in chief and mother confessor. Young Mr. Balcom's had a fight with his wife. He wants to square himself when he goes home this evening. I'm to figure out the whys and wherefores. And to buy a glamorous present that doesn't cost more than $11. Me, that's all he has left over this week. Mm. It must look like 111 now. Oh, you're so right, Myra. I must pull a plus rabbit out of a tired old hat. You should be troubleshooting for a husband and 15 kids and, instead of a lot of impersonal characters. Mm-hmm. They're not impersonal. I only wish they were. You know, I know enough about the men in this office, Myra, to start a fine blackmailing business. And there aren't things I found out either. They tell me themselves. This whaling wall of 1958. Oh, I wish I did have a husband and 15 kids. As a matter of fact, I'd settle for a widower with one kid. How do you know why you've never married? The answer's very simple, Mara. Nobody's ever asked me. Well, I'll be darned. You must have been awfully pretty when... When I was young. Yes, I was pretty. But I was terribly bashful. I backed away from eligible men. And backing away never gets you a thing. I found that out. You want to know something? You're still bashful. You're easy and natural with married men and engaged men. But when a man's unattached, you sort of... Well, you still back away. Now, that Mr. Nelson who comes in here, you know the paper salesman? Mm-hmm. I've seen him giving you the eye more than once. But... Miss <laughs> McKenzie, you're blushing. <laughs> Yes, I'll attend to it at lunchtime. 
Oh, that's all right. I'm glad I can save the bacon. Something else? Mr. Keith has forgotten his 10th wedding anniversary. I'm to find out if the 10th is wood or copper or heaven knows what. Oh, it's, it's tin. Tin, huh? Mm, that'll take some doing. Well, I'll try to find something appropriate. Myra, I swear I'll turn down the next man who asks me to do a favor for him. I'm so tired of buying presents for other women and listening to confidences about other women. I tell you, you I swear... You're a good time, Charlie, Miss McKenzie. Always ready to oblige. As for swearing off, you won't have the nerve to turn down the next man. I bet on it against any odds. Any time. I haven't the nerve. I'll take your bet. Ten to one. Good morning, Miss McKenzie. Hi, Myra. Hello, Mr. Nelson. Uh, did your ears burn a few minutes ago? Uh, did my ears burn? Mm, we were talking about you. Oh? Were you saying nice things? Well, <laughs> were we, Miss McKenzie? <laughs> well, we were... We were discussing that uh, last lot of bond paper, Mr. Nelson. It was uh, very satisfactory. Good. <laughs> <laughs> What's the joke, Myra? Oh, nothing. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Anything for a laugh. <laughs> oh, uh, I wonder if you'll do me a favor, Miss McKenzie. You mean, um, put through a voucher? Oh, no, not business this time. It's uh, personal. You have such good taste, Miss McKenzie. I was wondering if you'd do some shopping for me this noon. Well, Miss McKenzie, will you? I'm sorry, Mr. Nelson, but I have other plans for this noon. I'm afraid you'll have to do your own shopping. In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back again. But first... What's the difference between a craftsman and a worker? You could say nothing. That is, there's nothing wrong with the work of a craftsman. He takes extra pains to ensure his finished product is perfect in every way. Now, you might think all this extra effort is a waste of time, but it actually saves time. By doing it right the first time, there's no need to do it again. And with wasted effort, there's always a considerable amount of wasted money. To combat this unnecessary waste, the Air Force initiated the Zero Defects Program. The idea behind it is that you and your unit strive for perfection in your work. It's a way of saying, only the best will do, no matter how small the job may seem. Today, in the military as an industry, there are more than enough workers to go around. What we need today are more craftsmen, more people who care about their work. Make zero defects your motto, and become a craftsman in your own field. Back to our story with Betty Davis. The tall man with the nice eyes and the graying hair. It was a good match to Miss Mackenzie's hair. Stared down at the small woman who sat at the desk. Faint spots of red appeared on his cheekbones. Was the red reflected on Miss Mackenzie's face? He spoke quickly and apologetically. Oh, well, uh, please, uh, please forgive me, Miss Mackenzie. <laughs> I shouldn't have tried to impose on you when you're such a busy woman. It's just that I'm sort of a jam, and... Well, I'll run along now, and don't worry about that voucher. I can wait indefinitely. So long, Mara. So long. Oh, that's a shame. Your chance to get in right with him, and... Oh, I shouldn't have called you on that foolish bed. It's all my fault. I'm sure he's got a wife, after all, so don't be too upset. When he asked you to buy something for him, all at once he looked married instead of unmarried. 
I'm going to the file room. So if you want to cry. I want to, but I won't. Oh, love's awful, isn't it? I hope I never fall for anyone. The morning wore on. Irene McKenzie was all business. If she cried while her secretary was in the file room, it was all over now. The nose and her eyelids were only slightly pink. Noon came at long last, and she powdered the pinkish nose and slid into her coat. She didn't wear a hat, and snatched up her purse. Oh, don't forget your 145 appointment, Miss McKenzie. Oh, I won't. That's why I'm leaving early, so I'll be back in time. Oh, the 10th anniversary is tin, or aluminum. That gives me a little leeway. I looked it up in the World Almanac. Maybe I can get one of those big aluminum trays. It isn't a very personal gift, but it's pretty hard to be personal with tin or aluminum. Maybe I'll have to kick in a couple of dollars to bolster up young Balcom's 11, but... Um, well, I'll be back in plenty of time, Ira. I'm sorry you're not buying three presents instead of two. <sighs> By the way, you blushed when I mentioned Mr. Nelson's name. Maybe it would have been hard on you to buy a present for his wife. <laughs> Maybe it would have been that. I try to tell myself that everything happens for the best, Myra. Are you going out to lunch? Yes, but only with a girlfriend. Oh, oh, then tell Bessie at the reception desk to take my phone calls. Tell her I'll appreciate it very much. As she dropped down to street level in the elevator, Miss McKenzie was wondering about Ralph Nelson and his unexpected request. She left the elevator and made her way to the nearest good department store. She bought a handsome hammered aluminum bowl and $18 worth of perfume. Why did she invest $7 of her own in the project? She walked out of the shop and stopped short. Well, there was Ralph Nelson staring into a window. One hand gestured toward a space cadet suit. The other was fastened over the fingers of a very small boy. Ralph must have felt Irene's eyes on him before he turned. Well, well, hello, Miss McKenzie. Hello. Say, I don't know why I asked you to help me this noon. I ashamed of myself a minute later. Oh, I was rude about it. But I had to shop for other things, and, well, I was in a jitter. Well, men are always helpless when it comes to buying children's clothes. Donnie's mother is sick, and... Uh, oh, Donnie, say hello to the pretty lady. Oh, uh, hello, Donnie. <laughs> now I'm doubly ashamed, Mr. Nelson. In the first place, I was rude to you, and in the second place... Well, if you'd only explained about the child. You didn't give me very much time to explain, Miss McKenzie. Look, have you had lunch? What? No. I've been shopping for two men in the office, two married men, and I have an appointment at 145. If you could cancel it, uh... Yes, if I could. We might have lunch, and then maybe you could still help me. Donnie needs a whole new outfit, don't you, Donnie? In the space cadet suit and the space gun. Yeah, last year it was cowboy stuff, and now it's space cadets. <laughs> You're frowning, Miss McKenzie. Oh, not because I'm angry. Really, because I'm trying to figure out a switch. 145 to 3.30 or... Oh, well, I'll, I'll leave a message for my secretary. Myra's a fine girl. She'll handle the situation. She adores you, Miss McKenzie. She thinks you ought to be married, but aside from that, you're the perfect boss. I'm quoting her directly. <laughs> well, when I see a boy like Donnie, I wish I were married. If you'll just wait here, there's a phone booth right, right beside the door inside. We'll come in with you and uh, supply the dime, eh, Donnie? Sure. And then we'll take her to lunch, fella. You can challenge and ice cream? Well, you may be, but we'll do better than that by the pretty lady. Hurry up, pretty lady. Trot into the store. 
The sooner you've made that call, the sooner we can get started. Why was she so relaxed with married men? Irene McKenzie wondered. As she ate lunch at a small table with Donnie on one side of her and Ralph on the other. Perhaps knowing that they belonged to somebody else was the answer. Perhaps, with competition left out, it could be natural. Donnie kept up a continuous prattle. She and Ralph only got in a few words edgewise, but they smiled at each other comfortably between times. <laughs> the waiter thinks you're Donnie's mother. He beams at you. Mm, Donnie's his sweetheart. His mother must be very proud of him. Oh, she is, poor dear. But she's having a tough time. Oh, is there anything serious? Well, another baby coming, and she has to stay in bed or else. Her condition, this constant resting, doesn't give her much time to be with Donnie, so uh, I pinch hit. Dolly and I have good times together, don't we, fella? You bet. Will his mother be angry if another woman helps choose his clothes? Oh, she'll be deeply grateful. She's a beautiful girl, Miss Mackenzie. Would you like to see her picture? Why, uh, why, yes. Maybe we should buy her something, too. Hey, that's a good idea. Here she is, Miss Mackenzie, in my wallet here. Oh, she's lovely. She looks much, much younger than you. Mm, I'm 43, and she's only 30. Oh. Let's get her a Nike, a Pinar. I saw a beautiful one, tagged with roses applique on it, and not very expensive either. <laughs> I thought I'd hate buying things for her, but... Why should you hate buying things for Glad? Well, her name's Gladys, but everybody calls her Glad because she's such a happy person. Usually, even when she's ill. She has very dark hair and blue eyes, Miss McKenzie. Say, may I call you Irene? I, I don't see any reason why I shouldn't. Unless you think Glad would object. Well, Donnie, if you take such big spoonfuls of ice cream, you'll get a pain in the top of your nose. I got one now. <laughs> you look as if you got a pain somewhere, Irene. <laughs> he takes up his cues quickly. <laughs> we must do this often, Irene. With Donnie and uh, without. Just a moment, Betty Davis will be back. Here's the story of a little farewell party to warm the cockles of your heart, as the Irish might say. Because of the bell and the generous spirit behind it all, the villagers were reluctant to see the United States Air Force sergeant leave their community for the last time. The vicar clasped his hand. You leave us with a wonderful inspiration. You have made us better villagers and made our village better, he said. This happened in Cassington, a picturesque hamlet of thatched cottages nestled in the rolling hills of England. The farewell was to Master Sergeant Jack Lyons of the United States Air Force. All 420 villagers turned out to present him with a leather-bound volume of the town's history, which each had signed. Why? Well, for eight centuries, the history of that little hamlet has revolved about St. Peter's, the interesting Norman church on the village green, its tall spire a graceful landmark in the tidy countryside. When the ravages of Jack Frost cracked the church's ancient bell, it was almost a local calamity. The cost of recasting the bell was far beyond St. Peter's meager resources. Sergeant Lyons took interest in the situation and finally met the emergency with his movie camera. He started by taking color sequences of life in the village and then throughout the countryside until he had put together a two-hour film. This he exhibited at a modest admission price to the same audiences whose homespun activities he had pictured. All this took six months 
a lot of spare time to sacrifice for a man with a wife and two children. But in the end, Sergeant Lyons had the $1,400 needed to repair the bell. Soon it was peeling forth again from the spire of the old church that was so much a part of the villagers' lives. This and many other beneficial things that the sergeant did for the village was the reason for the heartwarming farewell. Sergeant Lyons saw nothing remarkable in what he did. I just helped, he explained simply. But he gave us all a thought to remember. We are Americans. As we go, so goes America. And now back to our story with Betty Davis. Irene thought, Ralph Nelson is certainly looking at me in a strange way for a man who's been married to a beautiful girl. She thought he should be ashamed of himself, and I should be ashamed of myself for liking him so much. He spoke crisply. As soon as Johnny's finished with his ice cream, let's get going, Mr. Nelson. You mean that? Of course. But I thought we were having such fun. Well, I'm a businesswoman, you know. I must get back to the office. As I've already told you, I have an appointment at 1.45. Uh, you changed it to 3.30, remember? I don't get it, Irene. A moment ago, you were so soft, and now you've frozen up on me. Frozen up on you? Oh, no, Mr. Nelson, you're imagining things. The heck I am. I'm just beginning to think that you like me a little. I have nothing against you, Mr. Nelson, Why don't you but... call me Ralph? I... Oh, Johnny, careful. That ice cream is dripping on your sleeve. Oh, oh, never mind. I'll mop it up. It's a wash suit anyway. Yeah, you're so gentle with him and so ungentle with me. Ungentle? You heard me. Ever since the first day I saw you, Irene, I've been wondering about you. And... Oh, Gail, darling. The ice cream's all out now. Thank you. <laughs> Why should you wonder about me, Mr. Nelson? Well, I suppose every man has a dream tucked away someplace. Perhaps on his own special island. I should say offhand that your dreams have all come true. I think I went for your hands first. They're so slim and beautiful. And yet they're efficient, too. Really, Mr. Nelson, this is getting and a trifle silly. the way it curls around your forehead and your ears. I think you'd better get the check. You have such incredibly long lashes. Please, get the check. In a minute, Irene. The waiter's busy with somebody else. He's taking an order. And... I like you. I like you lot. I'm going to tell Mommy how much I like you. <laughs> you have good taste, Donnie. And you're giving an exhibition of very bad taste. Johnny's going to tell his mother that he likes me, and he'll probably tell her a great many other things, too. Little pictures. I know. They got big ears. <laughs> She's too jumps ahead of you, Irene. <laughs> uh, waiter, a check, please. Oh, good. He's coming this way. Now, what sort of a coat should we get him, Irene? Well, not the waiter. Donnie. Blue, I think. He has his mother's eyes, and blue's becoming to him. How can you talk about his mother's eyes and my eyelashes in practically the same breath? Oh, as pretty as she is, her eyelashes can't compete with yours. Oh, oh here's the waiter. I'll be through with this in a minute, and uh, why are you squirming, Donnie? I got it. Uh, here you are, waiter, and uh, keep the change. Come along, Irene, come along, Donnie. Irene, you'll have to wait in the foyer for a moment. We'll be right back. Wait for you in the foyer? I wouldn't think of it. And we'll buy our paper from another firm from now on, Mr. Nelson. I don't want to see you again. Well, what about my clothes? I got to have clothes in the face to get food. Oh, Uncle Ralph, we better hurry. Irene McKenzie's face was suddenly flushed. Her eyes were twice their normal size, and she blinked in astonishment until her long lashes were tangled. Ralph, watching her, spoke quickly. You've changed. You're soft again. 
You like me again. You're not going to take your business away after all, are you? Because... No. No, I'm not going to take anything away. Because Johnny calls you Uncle Ralph. Huh? Why shouldn't he call me Uncle Ralph? He's my nephew. Oh, I, I didn't realize. I, I thought with one child here and a new baby on the way, you would... Well, that's, that's all water under the bridge now. That's all water under the bridge. Oh, I'll tell you later, dear. Ralph, where's Donnie's father? Oh, he's a feature writer for news syndicate, and he's in a dangerous spot right now in the Near East. That's why Glad's so worried. That's why I'm playing substitute daddy. Then Glad is... My kid sister. Oh. <laughs> I was the eldest of a very large family. She was the youngest. I'm almost old enough to be her father. You're not married. I'm not married. Never have been. But I've got a hunch I'm going to be for long. When you look at me the way you're looking now, I have an intense desire to kiss you. Come on, Uncle Ralph, come on. Oh, take him where, where he wants to go, Ralph, before it's too late. And when you come back, I'll be waiting. of locating that man or being located by him. Myra Campbell, Irene McKenzie's secretary, said she was glad she wasn't in love. But a girl tempting fate when she talked like that. It's silly to tempt fate, especially when Cupid's already to make with an arrow. The arrow that had Myra's name on it went into her heart one Sunday morning when she was in church. I'll bring you the story of her apparently unrequited love. Until then, this is Betty Davis saying goodbye from the Whispering Street. Sankster. Featured in the cast were Eve McVeigh, Hal Perry, Barbara Eiler, and Dick Beale. Whispering Streets was directed by Gordon T. Hughes and produced by Ted Lloyd. Your announcer is George Walsh. Whispering Streets has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.